reawakening Mi'kmaq culture and holding on to rural life in Newfoundland. This week, we introduce you to the Three Rivers Mi'kmaq Band. This is episode 170. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer, mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. We're on. This week marks the first year anniversary of the founding of the Three Rivers Mi'kmaq Band, a community band named after the Crabs, Robinsons, and Barishwa Rivers in the southwestern part of the island, down the shore of Bay St. George past Flat Bay. This is one of our occasional episodes about community bands who are so important at keeping Mi'kmaq life alive on the ground in the province. And Three Rivers is the newest, started by a group of committed Mi'kmaq people last year. Chief Peggy White is our guest this week. Like many of us, she lived away and then came back to Newfoundland. She and the Three Rivers Band are not only reclaiming Mi'kmaq culture, but bringing community back to an area experiencing so acutely the decay eating away at life in rural Newfoundland. Here's our conversation with Chief Peggy White. Chief Peggy White, uh, great to have you on Mi'kmaq Matters as you celebrate the first anniversary of the uh, Three Rivers uh, Mi'kmaq Band. So um, a time to celebrate. Yeah, thank you, Glenn. Uh, it's, uh, it is a time to celebrate. We're almost one full year, uh, just a couple of days, and um, we've made some real progress since we since we started. It's a wonderful thing. I'd like to uh, tell uh, listeners a little bit about you because you have an interesting uh, background. You studied law at Dalhousie and you uh, studied Indigenous law in Arizona. Uh, you worked in uh, Nova Scotia with the Cam Cano Negotiations Office. For listeners who might not know what Cam Cano is, uh, can you give us a little capsule definition of Cam Cano? Um, they're the... Um, it's made up of the 13 chiefs of Nova Scotia and any of large policies, whether child welfare, um, uh, negotiation on land rights of any kind um, is held through KM KNO on a tripartite with provincial and federal governments. So um, within that, um, the chiefs have the right to, you know, uh, determine if their their communities will go on their own or um, they will go under the banner and run under the, the remaining uh, group of communities together. So it really works well. It's almost like um, a federal kind of government thing. And then the, but the provinces still keep their anonymity and uh Economy. Why don't we give uh, listeners a, a geography lesson? The three rivers are so the communities run between Shoals and Highlands, and the three rivers, the main three salmon rivers, are Barishwa, Robinsons, and Crabs River. Those are the three center rivers that uh, make up the, our communities. Your background is from that part of the island, and you went away and. Uh, and how long have you been back after your career uh, off the island? Well, I, I was actually, I was vice chief uh, for 
um, uh, Dhungguk Mi'kmaq Alliance back in the early 2000. So then uh, in 2005, I resigned and uh, went to Ryerson University to do undergrad in criminal justice. And then I went to law school at Dalhousie. And then I went to Arizona to do my master's of law in indigenous people policy. I went back to Nova Scotia in uh, 2015 and um, I continued working there with uh, uh, different, I worked with Mi'kmaq Legal Support Work on and off um, since 2011. So um, I continued with them. And then uh, uh, last March, I moved home permanently so I could take everything that I learned and bring it back to my community. Three Rivers, uh, I guess, is somewhat unusual. We have other community bands, but... Uh... Uh, most of them were in existence before Halibu. So you've started a new band. Um, we, we're not new. Um, we have been here forever. Um, just And since in the 90s, the early 90s, there were members in the community that were trying to organize. And it, and it was difficult. There was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, skepticism. And there was a lot of people didn't want to put their you know, their heritage out there. And they they attempted over the years to try to organize. So it wasn't until um, we were under KMKNO banner and now um, we're formalized um, since last March. So, you know, we've always been here. It's just Hmm. we weren't formally um, organized. Tell us about formally organizing in March of 2020. Uh, you, You had just arrived back. And um, uh, you and a group of people there started Three Rivers. And what was your what was your thinking in in formalizing um, the band at that time? Well, we didn't want to do anything that any every community is unique, and our community is a significant seniors population. Um, we've had a lot of decline in our population um, over half in the last thirty years, um, and we have a high uh, poverty. Um, so we want to do uh, something different. We want to become a completely sustainable organization that looks after the people in our community. And and it's so important that um, we become self-sustained, you know, um, so we can, we, we don't have to wait to see if organizations and government can look after us. We really want to look after ourselves. And in that regard, uh, it's interesting you're looking at your activities uh, for the first year because among other things, you've started a trading post. And uh, tell us about the trading post. So when we first got here, uh, when we first formed, of course, COVID started. And um, I applied and received funding um, from Indigenous Service for Urban Indigenous People. So we used that funding and we started with food hampers uh, for um, uh, seniors and and people who really needed help. We uh, went from the hampers and we knew that, you know, the money only lasts so long. So um, one of the stores in Robinson's, well, the store in Robinson had been shuttered for a couple of years. So um, we leased the store and it's 100% not for profit. So every cent that the store and gas bar makes also goes 100% back into the community. And it also, you know, um, it's jobs, it's, uh, um, you know, revitalizing an area that was starting to decline. 
So it, it made a huge difference for the people, all the people in our communities. And um, it allows us to, you know, uh, work towards a sustainable food program for the community. That's a big, uh, that's a big project. That's start, that's starting a business. Uh, so you have all the, uh, all the responsibilities and work of uh, making sure there's someone at the cash, making sure you have supplies. So that's, um, that's a big thing. It was, but it, it's not, you know, because we really, really enjoy what we're doing. And because, you know, we have uh, so many volunteers that have helped, it's it's unbelievable. And people just really want to see the community build itself back and just to, uh, you know, put services back in the community. We, mm-hmm. we have so few services here. There's no doctor. There's no pharmacy. There's no um, any kind of municipality. So we we are completely for the most part on our own unless we travel outside of the community over you know the nearest service town of course which is Stephenville which is uh, 75 kilometers away so the more that we can build and and make sustainable we can start bringing those uh, jobs back into the community we can bring um, uh, services uh, back into the community so it, it's a it all you know one step at a time but uh we couldn't do any of it without all the people who are just so committed to to bringing something back and, and regrowing our community. Now, one of one of the big successes of uh, of your band and uh, some of the other community bands in the past year has been the food the food program, um, bringing food into the community and giving out food. Of course, food is many things is what we eat, but there's a lot of there's a lot of emotional. Uh, significance around food and uh, and the sharing of food. Tell us about uh, your involvement in the food program. Well, for me, food security, it's the number one determinant of uh, mental and physical health. And so um, we know that, uh, you know, food living on an island is very expensive. Um, and especially for most of our population are seniors. So I had applied for um, funding through um, a national program and we received the funding and out of that um, they invited us to take part in this uh, food giveaway so we could order um, you know truckloads of food to give out to our communities Um, and then there was a second lot and then we included Codroy in that because you know um, just trying to to share as much as we can right Um, and it was such a success like so many people came out to volunteer, people were so happy um, to receive something. And the the greatest part of all of that was you actually saw people who didn't t- pay, partake in um, picking up food. Uh, their neighbors were sharing with them. Everybody was sharing. It was it was beautiful to see a community start knocking on their doors and making sure that each other's you know that they're okay, right? Mm. And here we have a little extra. So it's everything comes back to food security for especially in little small communities like this. And out of that now we're we're attempting to um, put in some uh, geothermal greenhouses and we're, you know, knocking on um, uh, provincial and federal government doors to put in, uh, you know, a commercial uh, 12 months a year uh, geothermal greenhouse system to uh, put jobs in the community, to put um fresh, local, green uh, food 
into people's uh, fridges that they can afford to buy, mm-hmm. right? So subsidizing um, food for for our communities. So it's uh, it all comes back to you know making sure people are fundamentally have the basics of of life so they can feel them. You could have leafy green vegetables uh, all year round if you had your uh, your greenhouse. All year round, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. like, I mean, uh, last year I'd come home before COVID and uh, uh, a celery stock was $8.99 and I almost mm. passed it. <laughs> and I said, this cannot be happening. How can, uh-huh. you know, how can people on a fixed budget um, afford this? And the other thing is because we live in this area, Everything is seasonal, part-time, and so we're guaranteeing that the next generation of, of retirees are going to be poor. Mm. And we need to have sustainable jobs that um, guarantee that when they go into uh, uh, retirement that they can uh, you know, uh, max out the benefit of the CPP and have those extra uh, uh, dollars coming into their homes. So you know, we have to do something to uh, uh, you know, future looking, you know, mm. it's, uh, it's, it's important. Now in your, in your first year, have you developed a relationship with the Halibu band and, um, and what, how do you see yourself working together with, um, with the, the status band, we want to call it your, you have, um, you have uh, people who are Halibu members, but people who are Mi'kmaq, but don't have a card and people will self-identify. So you are a, uh, a more inclusive um, uh, uh, band, uh, but we have Halibu, we have uh, Halibu also. So have you had any connection with Halibu thus far? We have been waiting actually for Halibu. Um, and I know COVID plays a part into it. We've been asking for a meeting with uh, all the chiefs and, and uh, uh, Halibu uh, executive. Um, to see, you know, how um, the communities in Halibu can, um, you know, come together. Um, we're in the communities. We know who our people are. There are families. There are neighbors. Um, we know who we are. We know what our needs are. Um, and there needs to be, I think, a greater uh, dialogue. Um, Halibu, because just of the very nature of its size, uh, treats everyone as individuals, but in a community, it's a completely different um, aspect. So there has to be a bridge, I think, between the working with just individuals and working with a community. Because uh, you know, every every area is completely unique, um, and and you know, it would it would be nice to have a much stronger dialogue with Hullabu, Um it's you know it's it's a new new band. Um, Hullabu is a new band. Um, there's you know growing pains, I'm sure, but uh, opening up that dialogue, I think it will benefit everyone, mm. not just rivers, but all the other uh, community organizations. And I, and I think that needs to happen sooner than later. And do you have do you have uh, an idea in your own mind, or are there certain things that you think? Halibu could be of assistance with with uh, Three Rivers, or have you, maybe you and some of the other chiefs of the community bands have talked. What will be the ideal relationship uh, from your point of view? Um, the ideal relationship is that we would be 
um, supported, uh, I guess, recognized. Even with the COVID relief projects, uh, there's we don't have um, uh, internet service uh, from Heatherton to Highlands that's secure. There's lots of communities that don't have that ability um, because of the nature of, of uh, a lot of seniors. They, they're not online anyway. Um, you know, Hall of, uh, Cornerbrook is 250 kilometers away, um, round trip. So there's all kinds of barriers for people to access those benefits. So for us, um, you know, we're helping people, but we still have, to, you know, it comes out of us. And there's, there's a, Hullaboo is made up of the people in our communities. And we're taking care of the people on the ground. So that don't have access to Cornerbrook, uh, to the main Hollaboo office. So uh, there has to be a way for us to work together to fill that bridge. And, and I think that's important that, um, you know, the, the communities are included in some of these decisions. It, it's, it's important because we really know what's happening in our own areas and, and, and our people come to us asking us, how do we access uh, uh, Hullaboo? And we, we don't have a direct, you know, line to them, mm. sort of say. We need to bridge those gaps. Mm. Now, you talked about the challenges of, uh, of uh, living in rural communities uh, on the island at this time. Of course, it's, uh, it's a general issue with uh, uh, the Green Report and um, how to service uh, rural Newfoundland when the provincial government is so financially challenged. So I think there's a lot of a lot of doubt and concern at this time. A lot of um, a lot of insecurity about the future. And you've talked about um, trying to be supportive of um, of people in rural communities. So if you could look in your crystal ball and you could say, you know here's here's how I would like things to be. Here is my vision of what a healthy, uh, successful, vibrant rural community like ours could be. What, what would that look like? Um, well, there's been uh, so little um, inf- economic infrastructure put in for the last 30 years. Um, so we need to rebuild some of that. We have to have jobs in our communities. Even when the doctor left, that meant, you know, um, and the pharmacy closed and things like that. So that means our kids can't stay home. And without the kids, there's, you know, less kids in the school, less kids, uh, less teachers, less jobs, less um, services. And we need to build back that infrastructure so our children can come home. And we're not a community of, of retirees that are living alone and struggling and um, if we if we can get a little help um, just to get on our feet and get some of those things like the greenhouse project um, and a few other projects that I have in mind, and we can get those things done, our children will you know move home, um, we'll build houses, we'll we'll move forward, um, our stores will do better, they'll employ more people. Um, all of those things bring a doctor back. <laughs> all you know just to give you security provide the basics and it's not just i believe for government because you know they can only do so much but i think with a a lot of like-minded people who want to see our community succeed um and are willing to put in the hours and willing to put in the work 
um, I think we can build the community that we want to live in. If COVID has taught us one thing is that many jobs can be performed wherever. Um, you know, you can, people have gotten used to working uh, remotely and, you know, people have moved out of large cities to smaller places and still kept on working uh, remotely. So I guess the the main thing uh, for your communities is make sure you have good quality, high-speed internet. That's uh, That yes. would be an essential. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, if you wanted to look for a house now, you'd literally have to go and see if you have cell phone service or internet before you even, um, you know, buy a property because um, those basic necessities of life in, in today's society are still aren't here mm. and they're not Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just just for those things to start with um, it, you know, so so and we're we're a voice for all of those things going forward. And and, uh, you know, we're a voice for um, the people, someone mm-hmm. to mediate between government and, and, and hopefully, you know, build those services. So mm-hmm. we're, we got a good future forward. Do you have any uh, any celebration plan for your for your first uh, for your first year, um, it's uh, almost springtime uh, by the calendar, at least, and um, and you're one year uh, one year in operation. So, how do you celebrate that moment? Well, um, you know, again, for me, everything comes back to food. <laughs> so, um, last year we had a little project where we, um, because of COVID, uh, we were we had the ability to have the fishermen go out and bring in. Um, they brought in 6,500 pounds of codfish, which we could give out to the community. And, um, and it wasn't for just native, because we're trying to bridge gaps because it's just not native people here. We live in an urban setting. So of the other part of the, of our, of our communities, um, we're including them in some of the things that we can include them in. Um, And, you know, it was just so nice to see people like actually getting uh, some of the resources from our own area, from our own territory that um, that they could actually afford um, mm. because, you you know, uh, paying $8.99 or $9.99 for a bit of cod fillet um, in the grocery stores. A lot of people can't afford that, uh, mm. especially seasons on fixed income. So this year, I'm hoping that we can do the same thing with lobster and have a community little lobster fest, uh, um, you know, to celebrate, you know, who we are and, and give people the opportunity to maybe partake in, in some of that um, for a day or two, uh, just to, you know, bring some goodness, uh, well-being back into the community and everybody get a share of the resources of mm. our community. Some fresh lobster um, sounds uh, <laughs> sounds really good. Well, Chief Peggy, um, congratulations on your first year and uh, thanks for all your work and all the best next year and beyond. Oh, I hope so. Peggy White, Chief of the Three Rivers Mi'kmaq Band. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimaltus. Mm-hmm.